and welcome to episode 72 of Slate Planning Vercast. I'm Mo from France, and to my west, broadcasting live from Will Smith's agent's crisis management suite, is Dr. Lee Quessens. How do you do, Doc? I'm very well. Um, it's, 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 it's interesting times uh, here at the moment. I'm sure it is. Uh, well, as interesting as watching someone go over a script with a highlighter pen can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm, um, I've shifted the, um, the frequencies of light, which my loquescent mass is oozing off at the moment. So I'm, I'm, I'm not quite invisible. Right. Um, I look a lot like the effect the predator has on the jungle. That's true. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, 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 there's kind of light, light refracting off you and reflecting off you. That's right. Yeah. So Just to confuse. If I were to move quickly, um, I'd be very, you wouldn't be able to see my shape, um, which is a good job because you'd drop dead if you did. Mm. Um, but you'd, you'd be able to detect motion. But um, as, as long as I move very, very carefully, and for instance, use one of the eyes at the end of one of my many tentacles. Mm. Um, and it's very interesting because there's like a couple of pages of script on, on, on the coffee table at the moment. Um, you know, it, um, and some of the parts of the script have been highlighted in orange and some of them in green. Mm. Um, and then um, some of them in yellow, which I assume are the parts not yet to come. Um, one of which is get publicity and make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are two of the parts that, that, that are highlighted in yellow. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the one part that's got a great big question mark in, in, in black indelible marker next to it is make sure you tell Chris. Mm. Mm. Are, are you suggesting, Doc, that the whole thing was stage managed? Is that what he's saying to them? Yeah, a bit like uh, a bit like the the beef between Eminem and Fred Durst back in the day. I'm not suggesting anything. I, I, right. I'm, I'm uh, as as uh, um, as all conspiracy theorists love to say. I am merely reporting observable events. Mm-hmm. You think for yourself. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, but the, the, the only thing that goes against it in my mind is how, how did they get Chris Rock to agree to be basically bitch slapped? I mean, if, if he'd been punched out, then fair enough. But but the, 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 Will Smith did the, the, the surely the most humiliating thing you can do to another man, which is to slap. I mean, at least have the fucking common decency to, to smack him properly with a, with a clenched fist. Um, well, um. As Ice-T once said, I wouldn't even hit you with my fist. I'd take the flat of my hand and slap the shit out of you. Exactly. That's my point. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm curious as to why uh, a live mugging at the Academy Awards wasn't immediately pounced on by a fucking shitload of security guards. I'm curious mm. about that. Yeah. And why it was allowed to appear back on stage about half an hour later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm also... Conscious of the man who did it is a highly skilled and very well practiced for the physical comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, Will Smith appears to be facing no charges from the police. Now, in the UK, I think if if you slap somebody or punch somebody, even if they didn't want to press charges, the police would would just press the charges anyway, wouldn't they? Is, is the law different in America somehow? I don't. I, I don't know how it works in yeah. the United States of America or the state of California uh, yeah. or the or, or the county of Los Angeles. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for that matter, I, um, what you just said um, was actually news to me. I thought a common assault um, relied on someone actually choosing 
to to pre- uh, choose, choosing to make a complaint or not make a police complaint. Oh, maybe, so maybe I'm wrong about the UK law. But just my supposition was that it would just be prosecuted if if there were kind of any witnesses, basically. Um, I think the Crown Prosecution Service could prosecute you if the witnesses or if anyone else felt intimidated or felt threatened. Mm. Um, I mean, the, the, the Crown Prosecution Service aims to give a voice to the voiceless. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, murder victims. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. People who are no longer in a position to, to choose whether or not to make a complaint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I like street brawls, um, generally speaking, will end up with both parties being bound over to keep the peace and a small fine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what, what have we learned from it, Doc? I, I think what we've learned is black and black crime is real, Doc. That's what, that's, that's what I took away from it. Sometimes people get cross with other people. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes people have a fucking uh, sense of humour failure, don't they, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Doc, done a video game update. We haven't done one in a while. That'd be good. Yeah, I've, I'm still I'm still plugging away at Saints Row the Third. It's a big old fucking game. And I think I told you last time that I have to restart the fucking thing. Um, yeah, so, I, I, I had an idea that you'd finished it because you said you'd got your platinum trophy. No, I'm working on the platinum. I had to restart it in oh, order to obtain okay. the platinum, Doc. So I'm still working on that. But... In the meantime, I'm, I've started on a new game as well called Knack 2. Knack, K-N-A-C-K 2. Um, it's Sony exclusive, so only available on the PlayStation. It's considered a platformer by those who've never actually played it, but actually it's more of a combat game. It's quite cartoony, ostensibly kind of a kid's game, but it's fucking hard for a kid's game. Um, the character design is absolutely awful. Like the main character of Knack... <laughs> is absolutely atrocious. What they were thinking, I've got no idea. Seemingly an attempt to create another mascot, like in the vein of Ratchet and Clank or Sly Cooper or Crash, Bo- Crash Bandicoot. Um, I mean, it's a Crash Bordicot then, Doc. How about that? that was nearly a <laughs> thing, wasn't it? Um, I, I, I thought you said Bordicot for a second. <laughs> um, but but it, it spectacularly failed to capture the public's imagination in the same way as those did. Um but it's the core game mechanic that really, really compels me. The combat's great. It's slick. It's fun. Um, you know, when, when, when you're taking on sometimes, you know, 10, 12, 15 enemies at the same time, they've all got kind of different character moves. You've got to figure out, you know, which ones to take, you know, take out the dangerous ones first and, you know, plan a bit of a strategy. You're some, you're into like what's called a monster closet. Um, and a monster closet is... When you walk into an arena or a room in a video game and the door slams shut behind you and you can't progress or retreat until you deal with the, the monsters in that closet, basically. Um, so it's it's a bit like going into a pub in Crater Heath, then. Exactly. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. yeah. That's it, mate. Yeah. It's like going into the cottage in Starbridge used to be back yeah. in the day. Um, and it's great, man. It's hard as nails at times. More akin to God of War in places than something like Mario, you know, dodges and parries is the order of the order of the day, especially when you when you're on the hardest difficulty setting. It's a good and doc. Listeners, don't let the naysayers put you off. Don't let the terrible reviews put you off. It's a cracking little game. You can pick it up for about eight quid on the PlayStation store. So I recommend you do exactly that. What we've been listening to, Doc. Well, 
Um, a few weeks ago, you made the terrible mistake of, of, of getting me to bring up the subject of drones, and I haven't listened to anything with drones in it for quite a while. And since mm -hmm. you mentioned it, I, I've, I've been listening to lots of things with drones in them. Good. Um, so, or not so much drones as, 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 as hypnotic grooves. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say hypnotic grooves. I like um, it. We had, um, we, we, we listened to a bit of Trouble last time, which was one of the best hypnotic grooves ever. The Tempter. Um, and I... I've uh, I've gone for kind of the opposite end of the spectrum this time, um, and well, play the track and then I'll 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 explain a bit about it because it's quite interesting. Do, do, do you want to give us the title of the track and the name of the band, Doc? It's called "My Dreaming Hill" by Flying Saucer Attack. Here we go. Now we, I've skipped in about one minute ten as per your instructions. Here we go. Doc, isn't it? Yes, I, I can see why you why you dig that. I like that a lot. I could, if that was a female vocalist, you know, it's got 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 a touch of the lush about it. I would say. Yeah, so it's very much that kind of um, late eighties cutie pop. Yeah. Um, probably you can guess from the sound of it from the countryside, from 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 Wiltshire or sort of Somerset, as opposed mm -hmm. to from a large urban centre. Mm -hmm. um, who um, I think. Um, happened across a really cheap distortion pedal one day and probably got an even tinnier amplifier than usual that wouldn't stop feeding back. Mm. There's a lovely buzz, like a lovely warm buzz on the guitar. Yes. I like it a lot, Doc. Yeah, that's really, really good. Um, There's a uh, lovely story about this album. Um, yeah. Apparently, um, uh, it was believed to have been recorded on like a, a cassette multitrack machine. And apparently, uh, quite a bit afterwards, um, the guy... Like one of the guys like laughed and said, "Like we had a multi-track machine. It's a perfectly <laughs> normal cassette recorder." <laughs> um, and um, when they got a, a quote-unquote record deal, uh, in other words, I think like someone tossed them thirty pence in a bag of crisps or something to uh, have it pressed up into a real album. Um, they, they waited for a really long time for the album to be pressed and sent back, and they, they, they got in touch with the factory, and they said, "Well." <clears throat> um, uh, 
we're thinking about getting in touch with you because we've, we've, we've had a couple of people like um, try to play the tape and he must have sent us the wrong tape because it's, it's, it's just got like horrible distortion and, and, and feedback and stuff all over it. That's our music, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really um, the chap at the factory was really apologetic about that. He, n- none of his engineers could get anything approaching a decent mix off the tape. That's great. That's really great. Yeah, yeah no, I like that a lot. That's really, really good. Um, my entry for this part of the show this week, I'd, I need to make amends, Doc. I made a terrible error last time out, and I want to put right a wrong. Um, I played you a bit of a monomath last time out. I think the track was called The Berserker. Well, that was the album, maybe. Uh, Molnar. Hammer of Thor, I think, is the name of the track that I played. Um, but it's just, it, 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 I couldn't sleep, Doc, for, for three straight nights fretting about it um, because it, I just felt it wasn't representative of the band. I didn't, I didn't sell a monomath as well oh, as I should have done. I thoroughly expected you to say, you said it was their 21st album and actually ah. it was their 20th. Uh, no, no, no. No, I, I think I got my stats right. I just I just picked the wrong track. So I'm going to play some more Amon Amarth, if I may. Um, and this is the very first track of their very first album. Um, I think the first album's called Once Sent from the Golden Halls, something like that. I'll correct it next time if I need to. Um, but the track's called Ride for Vengeance. Here we go. Much more aggressive, you know, heavier, uh, but still retains the melody that's their, their that's their trademark. Um, not obviously the first album, so nowhere near as slick as they become. Um, they became quite the darlings of the metal press, actually. Um, particularly their two albums, I think they were back to back. One was called Twilight of the Thunder Gods, and the other one was called Fates of Norn. Um, and they, they were they were surprising like smash hits, you know, in quotes, you know. Um, for this style of music. I fucking love them on a moth, and I, I, I wanted to give them a fair representation, which I think I'd have done, Doc. I feel satisfied. Yeah, uh, it's a great track. It's a re- Yeah. Um, how would you, how would you categorise that album? How, how, how would you classify it? Because, I mean, it, it's, it's got elements of death metal in it. It's got yeah. elements of power metal. Yeah. Um, it's got elements of symphonic metal. Sure. Um, I mean, is it, is this a combination that's peculiar to them, or does 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 this genre have its own subcategory? Well, uh, I mean, I think they're the pioneers. I think they're our copyists, but they pretty much invented this this kind of. I mean, ostensibly it's melodic right. death, but you know, with the the, the, the folk, and I think the reason we can call it melodic death is because you've got lots of it, it's heavy, it's detuned guitars, 
but you've got lots of major kind of maiden style scales being deployed. Yeah. Um, and uh, but then the gruff vocals put the death into it basically. Um, yeah. But their focus on like Viking themes is what really made them stand out when they first came around. Now, now the, I, mean, I, th- I think bands doing that uh, fucking ten a penny these days. None of them uh, hold a candle to a monomarch. Um, who've been cranking this stuff out. I've, I've just pulled up the Encyclopedia McCallum page. Their first album, that what it is one cent from the Golden Hall, uh, 1998, you know, and then now, what, 11 or 12 albums in, still cranking the same shit out. Um, Fates of Norn, so, with Odin on our side and Twilight of the Thunder Gods, they're the three, I would say, must listens to. Um, must listen, yeah, is that right? right? Must, listen must listen to's. There we go. Yes. Yeah, yeah, what you're telling it. me is that because of their magisterial world bestriding popularity, they, they spawned legions of pathetic copyists. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Okay. Yeah, it is true, though. Um, chat time. Every, got the one. every oh. town, every yeah. town, every town across the Midwest and across the north of England um, had its own version of a monomark. <laughs> you're probably right. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Uh, chat time, guys. Uh, only got the one. Doc, you said you were going to come back to us with the title of the Fantastic Plastic Machine track that you confused with There Must Be an Angel by the Eurythmics. Any joy, Doc? Has it bubbled up? Or... I'll do it next week. Oh, there we go. That's all right. We'll leave that one in there. We'll chat time the fuck out of that next time around, Doc. Um, do you want a topic? Yes, please. That'd be great. Um, give me a number between one and check this out, Doc. One and 23. 17, please. Number 17, hmm. do reviews ever affect your buying decisions or affect your opinion of something? What do you make of this, Doc? Yes, they do. Um, I mean, as much as I would love to say that I make all my decisions completely in a vacuum and just follow my unerring sense of cool. No, I mean, most of the stuff that I ended up loving, um, I'd say it's about a three-way split. I'd say it's a word-of-mouth recommendation from someone I trust or um, just me browsing through the records in Swordfish or Tempest or um, something like that. That was a haven, wasn't Um, it? A real kind of treasure trove. Especially, oh, God, te- especially yeah. tempers for me, you know. Obviously, my my um, focus on metal. Well, and I mean, but particularly once you once you got the elevated status of like being a, a, a very very minor scenester, and the um, the staff didn't mind you listening to stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, the tempest staff were amongst the people I would call word of mouth from someone I trust. Actually, mm-hmm. I think, and I think that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then the other third is is most definitely reviews. Um, and the funny thing is that I eagerly read the output of reviewers that I didn't like and didn't trust, just as much as as ones that I did like and I did trust, because there was a really good chance that if a particular guy hated something, that I would love it. <laughs> well, no, I think that's valid, Doc. You know, I used to watch um, the, the like film, whatever year it was, with Barry Norman. Yeah. Um, and every film that he hated, I made a note of, you know, with the determination that I was going to watch it because I knew I'd fucking like it. Well, it, 
that's a va- that, that's one of the purposes of criticism that no one yeah. ever talks about, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Um, well, you you, know, you you become familiar with the with the reviewer, with the critic, and irrespective of whether you agree with them or not, you you have a flavour for their tastes, don't you? And that 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 can then inform you know your choices in the future. Yeah, and I mean the the, the peculiar thing is uh, it ends up with you respecting their opinion. Mm as much as the opinion of someone who... And it, it, it's sometimes even more reliable because someone who, who has a similar taste to you, and this definitely goes for me, that they, they might end up just being in so into a certain band or a certain kind of thing that they'll indiscriminately recommend anything that's a bit like that or anything those people do. Yeah. And it's not always a good recommendation, but, I mean, if if someone sets out with an agenda that anything that sounds like this, I hate, and I don't even care who it is or who made it, can't Mm. stand that shit, then... Mm. I've got into audio books recently. I've I've become like a, what would you call it, like a member or a subscriber to Audible. Um, Mm. So I'm listening to a lot of audio, but obviously with my job, you know, I, I, I hook up my phone to a Bluetooth speaker in the van, I'm blazing around Worcester or Droitwich, which wherever it happens to be, listening to listening to uh, horror novels to my heart's content. Um, and what, what something I love doing is reading reviews of books that I'm familiar with, just just to mm. get, get like layman's opinions. I, I, I want to read you one if I could, if I could be so bold. Um, yeah. This is a, a custom review by a gentleman called Sean. Um, and he wrote this review of James Herbert's The Rats, which is the book that I'm currently listening to. Um, I've gone back to the, the beginning of Mr. Herbert's catalogue with the intention of listening to the fucking lot. Um, here we go. This is what he said. Titled Women as Written by a Teenage Boy. Um, that's the, that's <laughs> the heading to his review. Here we go. The Rats was written before scientist men invented masturbation for women. That is why this book features the character of a sexually addicted woman who takes numerous lovers before she discovers, having read it somewhere, that there is such a thing as an orgasm and that a woman can have one if she lets a man put his thingy in her and go really fast. Unfortunately, the man then goes to war and he and his thingy get squashed by a tank. This makes the woman so sad that she never thinks to use her fingers, a cushion or a twin tub on a fast spin and she never has another orgasm again. Instead, she gets drunk a lot and ends up being eaten by rats. Um, (laughs) meanwhile (laughs) meanwhile a school teacher who hates children realizes that lots of people are also getting eaten by rats so he goes to the countryside with his girlfriend who works in a shop and appears to exist solely to make him bacon and eggs and they do it on a hill this bit is so toe-curlingly awful that i start to yearn for my own death at the jaws of a mass of homicidal rodents the school teacher put his thingy in her and does it really fast, so she has a lady <laughs> orgasm. <laughs> this is presumably as much of a surprise to her as it was to the other woman, given that, nobody, given that nobody in this terrible book appears to have any intelligence whatsoever. Across the capital, people are having their faces gnawed off by rats the size of a Ford Fiesta, but at no point does it occur to anybody in charge to send in the army with guns, preferring instead to keep dispatching the rozzers who gamefully charge in with their silly hats, truncheons and institutional racism to get their faces gnawed off too. Brilliant. What a brilliant review. Um, Sean, if there is any possibility you're listening to this, and it's not completely out of the question. Sure, no. if you're listening to this, um, 
I'm not very wealthy, but I I would sponsor you to write a novel of your own. Isn't I that great? I fucking love it. I laughed out loud when I read that. Absolutely um, incredible stuff. I mean, if, <laughs> if someone put together the most threadbare story and just wrote it in that pro I style. Know. I know. Yeah, I don't, my favourite bit is that when he refers to when, 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 when she, he put his thing in her and moved it really fast and really gave her a lady fast. orgasm. A lady orgasm. Very funny. <laughs> Bravo, Sean. That's fucking brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear, dear, dear. I mean, it's even when, when someone uses a phrase like, um, before people had invented female masturbation. I know. I just love anything like that. It's inspired stuff. Well, bravo, Sean. Hats off to you. I've got to remind, on this very subject, I've just got to mention one thing. And, uh, I may not succeed, but I, I plan, excuse <coughs> in time for Chow next week, to find out where this came from. It was on a similar theme, and it said, and it was something like, since this happened in a country where moist vaginas were illegal, nothing <laughs> came of it. <laughs> very good. Yeah. <laughs> Love it, Doc. Come on, let's crack on. <laughs> Okay, welcome to part two of the show. Here we're going to play the track, stop it from time to time and have a little chin wag. Today's track is, of course, track nine from Divine Intervention, which is two, one, three. Here we go. chilling stuff three points in rapid order mm. have slayer ever 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 sounded better than this oh well i mean um, what they're doing they've done before you know the, the, this kind of spooky arpeggio pretty clean on the not totally clean but pretty clean on the guitar and then just this epic fucking choice of, of power chords in the background they've done it before i mean most notably would be seasons in the abyss i guess um yeah. But here, I mean, they're, they're just delivering it with such conviction, with such fucking swagger. Yeah. Oh, Doc, it's, it's fucking sublime, isn't it? The difference between this and Seasons in the Abyss, Seasons in the Abyss was a bold experiment, and in a way that suits it perfectly, I don't want to say tentative or cautious, but it was aware of the fact that it was a bold experiment, yeah. and it was like gently pushing out a tentacle in each direction, and probing to make sure it was safe territory. Um, and this is a very similar thing, but approached with the absolute opposite sensibility. It's full of confidence. Mm. Um, I mean, it, God, this, this just sounds like people who are 
confident in their ability and absolutely assured as their entitlement to use it. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I totally agree, Doc. It, 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 I mean, I, in, in an album of standout tracks, you know, the, 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 this, this one towers pretty high, doesn't it, Doc? It certainly does. Yeah. Um, um, and I mean, point number, but the, the third point I was going to make, and I should have yeah. made at the beginning, even assuming I was hearing this track for the first time, would you, of all people, would you possibly have predicted that this would have been right up my tight back alley? Well, yeah, I mean, I certainly would, because, you know, because it's got the, cause it's got the, like, the horror vibe going on. And because it never, I mean, spoilers, guys, if you've never heard the track before, it never, it never, it never kind of presses the accelerator pedal, accelerator pedal down, does it? You know, it kind of, it, even when it kicks off, it is kind of a mid-tempo groove thon Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Let's see what happens next. I think I think they're about to do some um some something a bit twiddly on the guitar. Let's find out. <laughs> Never nailed this riff, by the, by the way. Like I've, I've played this track dozens, if not hundreds, of times. Never ever nailed that riff there. I don't know. I don't know really? what notes they're fucking playing. Um, it, it, it's 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 so complicated to try and figure out exactly where to put your fingers. I can get close. Do you think? I think we speculated that Slayer have done this once before, maybe mm. on their first album. Do you think there's a quarter of a turn on one of the machine heads? Mm. You talk. Obviously, you're saying one of the guitars is like slightly out of tune. One of the strings on one of the guitars one is the very, very slightly out of tune. There, there is like there's a strange discordancy going on there, isn't there? Something weird happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you ask me to reproduce that, um, I I would try knocking quarter of a turn or even less. One just just a one eighth of a turn on one of the machine heads and knocking mm. one of the strings slightly off. There is this this microtality and, and you, you could do it with a bend, uh-huh. but it's it's not bent while the note is playing, is it? No, 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 and especially the little flurry of notes at the end. I don't see yeah. how you can be bending individual strings at that kind of speed. No, yeah, no. I mean you, the boys can play, but but they're not superhuman, are they? No, no. Um, so I'm. I'm going to suggest to you that, that that's 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 how it's done. That's, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. Here we go. I'll tell you what else that, that 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 riff makes me think of, or that little kind of dis, dis, discordant melody or discanted melody, maybe. Um, again, and we and we've mentioned this before. It sounds like on previous albums, particularly like South of Heaven and Seasons, they would have polished that more. Where mm. this, the, 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 this sounds, this sounds almost like a rehearsal version of it, and it's all the better for it, Doc. Definitely, it, it's um, it's got grain. Mm. Yeah, it has. Um, yeah, it's got end grain. It hasn't been polished out of existence. Yeah, I agree.
I, I love it when they do this. They, 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 the, the, the example I can think of is read between the lies. Um, yeah. You know, where, where they, 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 they'll have a riff separated into two parts. And the second part of the riff, they, they, you know, they, they kind of prolong a little bit. And then, and then when they repeat it again, they shorten it. And when they repeat it again, they lengthen it again. I love it, Doc. It's fucking, it's great. Um, at some point during the song, we need to begin to appraise uh, Mr. Lombardo as well. Oh, yeah. Well, it's but not Mr. Lombardo. Mr. Lombardo. Lost it's Lost Off. Mr. Lost Off. Yeah. Yeah, because right. uh, we we haven't spoken. We're nearly at the end of the album, and we, and we, we haven't spoken about him nearly enough. No, yeah, you're right, actually. But you know, it, 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 you know, I think the reason for that is that Lombardo just casts a long fucking shadow, doesn't he? Um, yeah, he does. But I mean, this this guy isn't. Uh, maybe we should even leave this for the album roundup. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, I think you're right, Doc. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll devote a little section to uh, Mr. Bostoff because he deserves it for sure. Charming compulsion moments now come to mind Sexual relief buried deep inside Nothing control of a prime possession To justify the window of action Slowly slow, emptiness fulfilled Physical passion then a sickness thrill And I've picked up a voted reality And I've touched it beyond your wildest dreams Oh, they're bringing the groove, aren't they, Doc? Slayer bringing the fucking groove, man. Yeah, and um, I mean, I end up saying this all, and I'm talking about musically and rhythmically now, not lyrically. Um, when Kerry King concentrates on doing this stuff, he does it so well. Like when he concentrates on the meter and, and, and making the words go together with the music. Yeah, yeah, but but Kerry King is not one of the. He's not credited as a writer on this track, Doc. Oh, that's interesting. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. I I assume that Nazis and serial killers were were, 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 were Kerry King territory. Well, I've made well, no Nazis is definitely Hanneman. Um, okay, and I've made I the discovery. What, I, I wonder what made me think that Kerry King would have a fascination with Nazis. <laughs> I don't know, Doc. I can't imagine. Um, would I have made a mistake like that? I don't know. Um, no, Hanneman's the uh, Hanneman's the World War Two guy. And yeah. Araya is the serial killer dude. Oh, blimey. Okay. Yeah. How about that, Doc? But yeah, because um, Dead Skin Mask, lyrics by Mr. Tom, and 213, lyrics by Mr. Tom. I can't begin to tell you, Doc, how much fun that refused to play on my guitar. It's absolutely sensational. Really? Oh, honestly, I just play it all fucking day long. You just kind of, you hit, if, I, if I remember correctly, you just hitting the F, then hitting like the big open E before you you do that like little double strum pattern, and then and then just repeat it basically. With, with the, oh, and you got that, that little kind of single single finger picking bit at the end of the riff as well. Doc, it's fucking brilliant. Um, if I could be so crude, 
Bonatastic, Doc. Bonatastic. First person on a stock. Have they ever done that before? I don't think so. No, I can't think of one. No, um, no. I, I, I think I, I think uh, Tom's branching out lyrically here and actually adopting the first person voice. Definitely. I think I think we've seen examples of um, like character playing, role playing, um, but 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 still spoken in the third person. Here, I I I first person shit, man. I like it. monotonous predictability doc you know what i'm going to ask you yeah and um i'm going with my instinct advanced notice i'm going with my instinct <laughs> i'm going to say that's kerry king it's mr hanneman oh <laughs> doc, honestly yeah yeah jeff hanneman that, that is jeff hanneman all the way funny thing is jeff wrote the song but kerry plays like the arpeggio at the start so kind of like kind of Jeff gives him that basically, but then Jeff takes the solo in the middle. So I, I suppose it's like a fair trade off in it. Ah, yeah, there we go. Forty more, more interesting. Forty-seven seconds. Let's play the track out. Though. Here we go. That was uh, two on three, track nine from Divine Intervention. It's a stone cold classic, isn't it, Doc? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, um, God, how do we even go about picking fault with that? I know. Yeah. It's tough, isn't it? Might as, might as well end the episode there. See you later, guys. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Uh-huh. It's, it's got, it's got pretty much, oh, I was going to say it's got everything I love about Slayer, but it hasn't quite, has it? Because it hasn't got any kind of ball blazing speed, which you know I'm a massive fan of. But it, it doesn't need it, does it? This, this is an exercise in building atmosphere, building tension, making yes. the listener feel uncomfortable. Um, I think I, th I think that's the, the that's the purpose for that, that that kind of weird off kilter riff about halfway through. 
um, is just to make you as if you weren't feeling uneasy enough by the by the spooktastic nature of the of the intro, coupled with the like the lyrical themes, and then chuck that in as well, just to you know put people on edge. It's it's, it's just a masterclass in it, Doc. Well, yeah, and I, I I think I think denying you the balls out speed is another. Um... It's 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 uh, it's like orgasm denial, isn't it? Mm. And and I suppose it's kind of suggesting that, that like the horrors that befell these poor poor victims of Mr. Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm sure we we'll get onto that in the in the lyrics section. You know, it, it's it's kind of implying that you know the suffering they they endured was not swift and over quickly. Well, no. Um... Mm. And, but I think, yeah, I'm more and more confident that the denial of the the speed ending or the speed section in the middle is explicitly done to to exacerbate that tension. Yeah, and it and it shows great confidence, doesn't it? And courage. We've we, we've mentioned before, and it seems to irritate you more than it does me. That every so often. When when you know when they do get experimental, when they do get into like a mid-tempo groove, they almost feel obliged to throw in like a speed grenade. Um, but here they didn't. They, they, you know they, they felt they felt empowered enough just to no 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 fuck it. We we we're not gonna we're not gonna try and outslay ourselves here. We're just gonna stick to this cadence. Yeah, I mean the. I love that expression, by the way. I'm, I'm going to keep that for my own work, mm. speed grenade. Oh, yeah, um, you're welcome. It, more often than not, in a mid-tempo track, it feels pandering. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's this sort of mythological or, or imaginary demographic um, are going to get irritated if we don't speed up for a bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether they've got any evidence of that, but that's what it all... And, you, you you don't want to be pandered to by Slayer, do you? No, you certainly don't. But but you know, then again, on this on this very album, they've, they've you know they've deployed speed in in quite nuanced and subtle ways. We were talking in, in during our discussion about SS3, weren't we, about the fact that that track just suddenly somehow gets fast, fucking fast. So it starts off mid tempo, and by the end of it, it's absolutely fucking blistering. Um, yeah, and I can't figure out how. Yeah, well, we're going to look at that in the when we do the album roundup, aren't we? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but here, no, they, 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 they keep their foot totally off the accelerator pedal. They're happy just to groove our asses off. And what a fine choice that was! I, I think I think the track would be diminished if they if they'd have uh, dropped in like a, a full on a full on thrash riff. Yeah, um, I need to take a wee wee. All right, Docs. Well, in that case, should we move on to the third part of the show? Let's do that. Welcome to part three of the show, which we call... Evil Speak. Yeah. Here, here we go through the lyrics and dissect them. Um, do you want to start, Doc? Do you want to hit us up with the first eight lines? Sure. Driving compulsion, morbid thoughts come to mind. Sexual release buried deep inside. 
complete control of a prized possession to touch and fondle with no objection. Lonely souls and emptiness fulfilled, physical pleasures and addictive thrill, an object of perverted reality, an obsession beyond your wildest dreams. So they're talking about uh, Friday night kebabs here, aren't they, Doc? It sounds like to me. Well, uh, those are certainly some of the emotions and sensations that uh, that are conjured up when I contemplate a Pars kebab late on a Friday night. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, with plenty of uh, lashings of hot chilli sauce, please, Mr. Pars. I prefer uh, mint sauce, as you know, to the chilli sauce. Well, I'll tell you what I have, Doc. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a decadent soul. I like to get... Um, I like to get... Uh, is it barl? Barlian on, 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 on people's asses on a Friday night. And I go for chilli mint and mayo. Oh, goodness me. I have the lot, mate. I have the works. How eclectic. Wow. How about that? Chilli mint mayo, please. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Put anything on it you can, just to cover up the foul taste of the fucking meat, please. I'm going to say that about pars kebabs. Pars I'm sorry, kebabs. I'm sorry, Dan. I know you get touchy about we're, this. We're not talking about some recycled elephant's leg sweepings up here. <laughs> um, What's it really about, Doc? It's not about kebabs, um, is it? Let's be honest. Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Um, American serial killer. Um, I mean, it's... God. Listeners of a sensitive disposition um, and surviving family members of the victims probably stop now because mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to be able to help saying some really, really inappropriate things and some really insensitive things during this. Sure. Um, he's one of the big four of, Ameri- of American serial killers now, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Certainly is, yeah. He did. Um, He's a big hitter, isn't he? I think I'd put him at number one. I think, Doc. Um, I think I'd always put Ted Bundy at number oh. one, even, oh, yeah. even though um, his body count is smaller, but his infamy is greater. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, I think the, like, the cannibalistic nature of Dharma's crimes is what is, is what elevates him to num- number one status for me. Yeah. I mean. The, Without a doubt, it would have been John Wayne Gacy if John Wayne Gacy had actually killed people whilst dressed as a clown, but he yeah. never did. <laughs> um, he, he, he just dressed as a clown when he weren't doing no serial killing. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't count. Yeah. Um, and as we've discussed before, I mean, even though by far the most ghoulish of them all is Ed Gein, I doubt that he actually counts as a serial. He might not even count as a multiple murderer. Yeah, because there, 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 there is speculation that he, he never actually killed anybody, did he? Well, didn't he? Didn't he maybe shoot a woman for sure? He but, but the actual, him. but the actual body parts that were found were potentially exhumed from like, people that are already dead. Yeah, um, he's he definitely killed one woman, um, and he shot her in the back of the head with a rifle. Um, so no torture involved the possibility of her knowing anything about it was practically zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no particular evidence that he murdered anyone apart from that. Sure. Um, so I'm going to say not a serial killer and maybe not even a multiple murderer. Um, and as we discussed before, when he was caught and sentenced, the sentence he received, I think, was something actually approaching justice. Mm-hmm. Um. He was just clearly a very, very unwell man who deserved to be taken care of in a mental hospital for the rest of his life, which he was. <laughs> it's a funny thing. This is the second week this has happened. 
um, I couldn't help but contrast um, Reinhardt with Rommel last week as, as sort of the two people at the, the, the opposite spectrum of um, serving Nazis that you can find. Mm. And sort of at the opposite end of uh, the scale of um, grisly American flesh-related criminals to um, relatively harmless Ed Gein, you've got very, very, very not harmless Ted Bund, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, um, who is in the world of serial killers, absolutely the nightmare monster that um, old uh, old Reinhardt was um, in in the world of Nazis. Um, very brief rundown. Readers, research it yourself. Listeners, research it yourself, please. Um, and this is where I'm going to have to make my, my first really inappropriate comment because apparently talking about the big four of US serial killers wasn't inappropriate. Mm. <laughs> Neither was starting a discussion about a cannibal murderer or talking about kebabs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's my fault. Uh, that was my fault. Yeah. Um, but he comes from um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is a town I can't ever not associate with um, the stomping ground of Fonz and the gang from Happy Days. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you know, what can you say? Happy Days. Like, Jeffrey Dahmer, Happy Days, right? Sunday, Monday, Happy Days. Tuesday, Wednesday, Happy Days. Thursday, Friday, Happy Days. The weekend comes, my cycle hums, ready to race to you. These days are yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and he's one of those people, um, a lot like Peter Sutcliffe and a lot like um, Dennis Nielsen. And, Pete, and you can't imagine how, as a small child, nobody spotted the fact that there was something a bit wrong with him because mm. um, he liked collecting dead animals in the woods mm. and um, dissecting them and chopping them up and embalming them. Mm-hmm. Um and putting dog skulls on spikes. Um, and uh, I think by all accounts, he was like a, 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 a mid-functioning alcoholic by age 12. He was diagnosed with, with, with various forms of mental illness, but these were all post-arrest. Um, yes. But, you know, from my reading, he, 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 was, he, he, was, he was just not on anybody's radar at all, was he? Um, no, no. Um, despite behaving like a really fucking disturbed individual from a really, really young age. Yeah. Uh-huh. Could, um, could it be a NFM, Doc, do you think, like normal from Milwaukee? What, you mean not particularly unusual by the standards of his culture and background? You got it. Um, preteen alcoholic? Yeah, I, I could actually buy that mm-hmm. um, in some really, really lonely part of, of, of the Midwest. Um, but I mean, the playing with dead animals. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you do that for a living, um, in one of the meat producing areas of, of, um, of the middle bit of, of, of the USA, uh, I'm sure nobody would turn their hair, but, uh, you know, it's, I would have thought the trade union would have had something to say, but, you know, Mm. I mean, uh, you're, you're taking the jobs away from honest paid workers. Sure. Yeah. Um, if you're doing that stuff for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, obviously it's never going to be known. Um, you and I have observed for a long time, whenever some sort of typically murderer um, gets arrested in the UK, 
uh, there's always like a, a vox pop on television and they always make me smile because half of the people they vox pop interview on the street will say uh, oh i spoke to him every day and i never noticed anything wrong and then the other half of the people i always knew it was strange <laughs> i always knew and yeah, yeah, yeah um obviously they wouldn't include this in the editorial um but um no one ever says like who mm. oh i never know when if you ask me the reason that serial killer well the, the, the reason that repeating criminals of any kind get away with their crimes is because no one notices them sure yeah too busy getting on with their own lives basically to notice what the yeah. names are up to yeah um but nobody ever says like i, I don't know who you're talking about mm. never noticed anyone like that you know this is a quiet neighborhood nothing ever happens around here but presumably like you say doc you know the, 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 they probably do encounter those people but they, they, they just get cut from the early don't they because it's just not interesting yeah, or, I mean, there's there's another characteristic human behaviour, which is um, not seeing things you really don't want to see. Mm. Um, mm. I can't even remember who this is. I want to say it's Dennis Nielsen, um, who was uh, b- apparently became so bold that on one occasion um, he, uh, I think it was because his drain got blocked and he went outside his house and went in the manhole and fished a partially decomposed leg out of the manhole and was observed by several people carrying a partially decomposed leg back inside his own house. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the compulsion of people to go, did I just see what I think I saw? No, no not I couldn't have done. Yeah, There's no way I just saw a man carrying a badly decomposed leg. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you just wouldn't believe it, would you? I, I kind of get that because if I saw, I think if I saw that... You, you just wouldn't believe your eyes, would you, Doc? You'd, you'd presume it was some kind of prop or some kind of yeah. some kind of joke or prank, whatever. Um, have you ever has that ever happened to you? Have you ever thought that you've seen someone carrying something and thought, like, no, I, I, there's there's no way I saw that. The, 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 the nearest I've got was I was riding a bike, and I was young and and and, and foolhardy. I was. The, 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 there was a large house with like a, a crescent-shaped drive, and I decided yeah. just to just to ride up, ride around the crescent basically, just for shits and giggles, um, not, not causing anybody ha- any, any harm, you know, not being kind of antisocial or in any way. But I kind of got halfway up, and there was a guy standing there, and I swear to this fucking day, Doc, I swear to God, he was pointing a shotgun at me. I fucking turned tail and and, and pedaled the hell out of there. Yeah, um, mine isn't terribly dissimilar. Mm. Um, uh, on a very quiet suburban street at about half past one in the afternoon, in the, in, in the middle of the school holidays, um, I was convinced I saw someone carrying an automatic rifle in broad daylight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just like walking down, not even not not a complete side road residential street but not definitely not an a road or something just blithe as you like carrying i, I don't know like a nothing more than not like not an m16 or an ak-47 something like an m1 garand or something like that and i, I was convinced i saw someone i was, carrying, I was oh sorry doc go on no just carrying a a, a high-powered automatic rifle um in public i was i was hiking through um a place in uh, rural France called Erieux, and I came upon um, two men. I presume they were farmers because kind of 
over their shoulders, they were, they were both carrying large, what looked like kind of hunting shotguns. It made me very nervous, even though I'm sure they were licensed and perfectly entitled to be there and doing what they were doing. It made me incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, um, but I mean, the, my assumption is that people are allowed hunting firearms in rural France, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm sure they weren't doing anything wrong, but just being in the presence of two strangers that were both armed, you know, it, it, it just just dis- disconcerting, shall I say. Sure. Um, so we're, we're talking about when youth exhibit such extreme deviance. Um, why is it never noticed? And it doesn't seem it doesn't seem that it goes unnoticed. And there seems to be no difference in this between what should we say? Urban environments where one might assume that people take a slightly more laissez-faire sure. attitude to the doings of others. I mean, in densely populated cities, your privacy is one of the things that people end up valuing the most, and mm-hmm. others the, the privacy of others is one thing you end up respecting the most. I think. Sure. Um, it's the countryside where everyone's into everybody else's business and peeking through windows and mm. uh, watching from behind hedges and things. Mm. Um, for one assumes any sign of the unusual or even just so. It's, it's, it's um, because they're bored, isn't it? Because there's fuck all to do there. I think that, 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 that's how I've always explained it in my in my head. Well, it, being a on the urban side of the suburban night all my life, I've never not been able to attribute some element of abnormality or perversion to the countryside in general. Mm. Um, you asked me what, since we're on the subject of serial killers, you asked me what city folk are like, and I never think of Dennis Nielsen. You actually, mm-hmm. you asked me what country folk are like, and I immediately think of Fred West. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, and I think that's the city-country divide that you can find literally anywhere in the world. Mm. Mm. Um, and, you know, I never... I'm always uncomfortable trying to decide who's actually the most perverted. Um, the guy who's masturbating into the rotting sheep in the stream or whoever it is that's watching them do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Neither, neither activities are particularly wholesome, but... Um, if the one guy feels the urge to do it and gets right out of the way so that he can, um, I think it's like even odder that you want to watch them. Well, you know, it, it's the old uh, like Bukaki syndrome, isn't it, Doc? You know, you've got, you know, who, who's the biggest, de- who are the biggest deviants here? Like, the, you know, the, the, the cameraman and, and, and the four, five or six men ejaculating on some poor fucking woman's face or the, or the quite literal wanker who's sitting there fucking watching them, you know, watching the video later. Well, the, the people in the, the people involved in the production are just capitalists and there's yeah. nothing more or less perverted. Um, I happen to think capitalism is pretty fucking perverted, but mm. Mm. Um, I think it might be, it might, it might be the vilest perversion of all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doc, um, let me hit you with the, the next four lines. Death loves final embrace, your cool tenderness, memories keep love alive, memories will never die. Um, so obviously, so, you know, suggestive of the fact that uh, Mr. Dharma here 
enjoyed spending time with his victims, even after they 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 they, they kind of shuffled off the mortal coil. Um, I remember an interview with uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, and mm. I want to say it was on World in Action. The ITV version of Panorama, which is a sort of very hard um, current affairs documentary series um, in the days when ITV would dare to do stuff like that so long ago. Um, and uh, he said that what he wanted to do was to develop a reliable means of creating a completely compliant sex toy. Mm-hmm. Um, how he did this was to, and God, if it wasn't real, I'd feel a bit nasty myself having imagined something like this. The method that he chose to do this was to bore, was, was, was to bore holes in people's skulls um, and affix a funnel into it and then experiment with chemicals to see what effect it would have on their brain. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, he seemed convinced that he would hit on the right mixture of boiling water, boiling oil, cleaning fluid, bleach, um, that would... I suppose cause something like a chemical lobotomy. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they'd still um, be alive, but they'd be compliant. Yes. Yeah, I get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, and I, I suppose the idea was that he would use these hot liquids and these corrosive chemicals to sort of burn out what or, or, or corrode out whatever part of the brain had any sort of will to resist in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were things not much less crude than that done in actual mental hospitals mm. Mm. Um, not long before Jeffrey Dahmer was was uh, was trying the enthusiastic amateur version. Is this a trepanning, Doc? Is that what we're talking about? Um, trepanning is an actual proper scientific procedure and uh, trepanning is a fascinating subject in its own right. Uh, it's the, There are woodcuts of it going back to the 16th century depicting it and mm-hmm. there are skulls that have been found in Bronze Age burial sites. So pretty much as long as human beings have been able to construct tools capable of doing the job, they've been trepanning people. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and for those that don't, don't know what, what the word means, it, it, it is literally like boring holes into a human skull, isn't it, Doc? Yeah, that's precisely yeah. what it is. Uh-huh. And I mean, the, there, are, there are Bronze Age settlements found in Ireland uh, and in southern England as well, where the only metal artefacts have been a trepanning iron. Mm. Um, and you can't, there's, there's no such thing as evidence based on absence. Um, you know, you can't say a certain thing isn't here and that means something. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, there's, you might want to speculate that communities who had access to very little bronze, because it was very hard to make in the early Bronze Age, the first, the first thing they would choose to make, like before a sword or a hoe or a plough, would be a trepanning iron. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe get yourself a spoon first, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Make, make eating your food a bit easier. That's right. Before you um, start trying to before you start trying to cure hydrocephalus, for Christ's sake. Um, but the peculiar thing is that this, um, I won't say, sto- this, this prehistoric method of 
who knows what, either human sacrifice or um, curing mental illness, mm. I would, would my assumption is that mental illness is only apparent in industrialized societies. I mean, would, would, would someone suffering from schizophrenia, would, would that even be apparent in a, a, a pre-industrial society? Well, I, I would imagine that, you know, and this is obviously pure speculation that I'm pulling out of my arse. Um, I would imagine that it's any kind of mental deviancy or mental illness would be considered to be some kind of possession so maybe the maybe the trepanning was was an, was an effort to I don't know kind of exercise the demon in some way. Yeah, to let the demon out. Yeah, exactly, um, or something like that. So, yeah. Um, um, but the peculiar thing is that um, though Stone Ages appeared to have been onto something because trepanning it's um, it's not done with a very crude bronze instrument anymore. But trepanning is most definitely done to relieve the pressure on the brain mm-hmm. in case of hemorrhage. Yeah, um, it, it's 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 still a viable medical procedure. Mm. Um, what Jeffrey Dahmer was doing to people was not a viable medical. Uh, I mean, <laughs> um, using a black and decker with a pipe cutter in it, mm. um, and boring a hole in someone's skull and affixing a polyester funnel into the hole and pouring cleaning fluid into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't get that. You don't get that on, on the NHS, do you, Doc? Uh, no, I, I, um, I was thinking you. I, I, uh, I don't yeah, watch yeah. Casualty very often, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that that procedure has never been carried out in no. an episode of Casualty. So you have to you have to pay for a boot back of you on that kind of shit. Though. Let me tell you that. H- hit us up with the next stop, eight lines, if you would, good sir. The excitement of dissection is sweet. My skin crawls with orgasmic speed. A lifeless object for my subjection, an obsession beyond your imagination. Primitive instinct to passion for flesh. Primal feeding on the multitudes of death. Sadistic acts, a love so true absorbingly masticating a part of you. That's great. Isn't it? What a great verse that is, Doc. I absolutely love it. The way that Tom delivers um, primitive instinct of passion for flesh, primal feeding on the multitudes of death. I think could be my favourite, um, like Tom delivering a couplet in the entirety of Slayer's Back catalogue. It's so great the way it fits with the music. And, and, and that last line, I mean, it could be funny, couldn't it? The, 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 using the word mastication is always a bit funny because it, it sounds a bit like masturbation done it doc you know so it's always a bit funny but it, but i think it really I, I think they get away with it here there's a couple of things going on here um as carcass understand very well when you use excessively correct terminology to describe extreme violence mm-hmm. it simultaneously comes across as both more horrifying and funny mm-hmm. yeah um i mean when um carcass won't say I shoved my fist up his ass. Mm. Um, Carcass will make like a, a, a loving reference to um, obviating the impacted stools, which are causing constipation. Or <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's definitely like, there's a glint in Tom's eye here, isn't there? He, he knows this is a funny line. He's not, he's not, he's not, he's, he's not quite playing it for laughs. I don't think, but 
you know, there's a cheekiness to him here, I think. There is, um, and there's something much more knowing as well. So we've got the superficial sophistication, which is the use of the excessively technical and excessively correct yeah. um, nouns and verbs. And then undermining that, you've got all of these very primitive glottals in the phonemes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the excitement of dissection is sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, an obsession beyond your imagination. And, and, and then you get into the real gutturals later on. Mm-hmm. Primitive instinct of passion for flesh. Yeah, primal feeding on the multitudes of death. Yeah. Um, sadistic acts of love so true. Absorbingly masticating. It's the... The, the phonemes that are used start off crude and they get more and more retarded. Yeah, um, yeah. Until that final line, it's um, it's almost like incoherent. Gurg- you can gurgle that line incoherently. Yeah, and I, I, um, I love the choice of adverb as well. Absorbingly masticating yes. a part. <laughs> I'm just picturing, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer kind of in his living room next to the corpse that he's chewing on. You, you know, just kind of lost in his own fucking reverie, eyes vacant, gazing into space, basically, as he chows down on his latest victim. Yeah, and it's it's only a couple of syllables. It, it's, it's, it's only a couple of phonemes off, adoringly masturbating, like you just yes, said. Yes, absolutely right, Doc. Yeah, I, 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 I really, really like it. Um, chorus time. I need a friend. I need a friend. Please be my companion. I don't want to be left alone with my insanity. Um, Like a a cry for help here, really, isn't it, Doc? Yeah. um, I think one of the the things that affirms in the eyes of everyone who met him, Mm. um, that I I, I don't like using words like evil about people who actually existed. Yeah. Um, for Hannah Arendt-related reasons that you already know about, it's um, it lets people off. Uh, oh, he was just evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, the devil made him do it. Yeah, well, interestingly, you say that, Doc. You know, an interesting use of the word insanity here because he was deemed to be sane when he was on trial, um, yeah, which you know was ironically kind of seems a bit crazy, doesn't it? You know, anybody that can that can commit these kind of acts. Surely there's... I wasn't privy to the medical files, Doc. I understand that. But it seems it seems implausible to me that somebody who could behave in this way could be in any way considered sane. Right. The people who met him, and this is really the point I wanted to get to, yeah. um, he's clearly one of the many, many, many contributors to the personality that made up Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, oh, um, for sure. Apparently, within a couple of 45-minute sessions, he could really start to get under your skin. And mm. tough-as-nails prison psychologists would come out of a session, like, really shaking their heads and, and really, like, having the war on to not be manipulated by him. Right. Wow, that's really interesting. Have you seen the um, the David Fincher um, Netflix TV show called Mindhunter?
No. I, I, I recommend it to you, Doc. I think I think you dig the fuck out of it. It's a it's it, it it I think it's set in the maybe in the sixties, maybe the seventies, um, but just as just as kind of forensic science was 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 kind of in its in its nascency, um, and it follows two um, detectives who specialize in dealing with you know uh, i think i think during the during the chronology of the series the term serial killer is coined in real life mm. um it, it 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 it's dead good i mean if you like your finger stuff if you like like the game and seven and fight club and shit like that yeah yeah get on it there's a couple more things about um why jeffrey Dahmer wasn't mad or mm. sad he was just bad yeah um, he insisted on um, carrying out his own defence, I believe. Oh, really? And I think I've got this right. Um, after I, check that out later. That's all right. Um, maybe he didn't. Um, he was, and the conclusion was, he was not unable to face the fact of his own guilt. He was utterly unwilling to face the fact of his own guilt. He would never confront the fact that he'd done anything wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, apparently his defence lawyer came up with what would have been not guaranteed um, but a fairly good not technicality especially but what he encouraged him to do was to confess to one murder and go down for 10 years mm. um, and during the 10 years um, a lot of the evidence would have decomposed um, a lot of witnesses would have drifted away or become uncontactable. And then there might have stood, a, not, not a good chance, but there might have stood a chance of a retrial for the other crimes mm-hmm. after 10 years. And maybe he wouldn't have had to have gone down for more than about 15 years. Right. Um, but um, he he wouldn't even, he, he wouldn't even confess to one. He wouldn't even admit to one murder because he, he would not, um, and I'm going to say would not, not could not. He would not, bring himself to think of himself as being guilty of murder. Mm. So quite literally remorseless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think this was very influential in the study of the paraphilia of serial killers, um, which is they, they're people who think sociopathic serial killers, they're people who think they have the right um, they've got no conception of demons making them do it or the devil making them do it or it being mm. anything to do with their abusive background. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't blame anybody, but they think they have the right to do this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Where, where, where did like the um, like the cannibalism come into this, Doc? In in in, in your opinion, um, but, you know, but, but because that is what he's notorious for. It, 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 one of his nicknames is the Milwaukee Cannibal, isn't it? Um, so Ed Gein also displayed this attribute. Whereas he likes, of, to my knowledge, he likes of like Peter Sutcliffe, Dennis Nielsen, Ted Bundy did not. You know, they, they were satisfied with causing pain and suffering and killing people. Whereas, you know, this guy and Ed Gein, the cannibalism was, 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 was part of the ritual, wasn't it? Where, where's that come from? Ed Gein, um, I th- Ed Gein, I don't think, viewed anything other than stuff you do on the farm. Mm-hmm. I think that's I, I think that's the beginning and end of it. Yeah. Um, you you hunt an animal, you kill an animal, and you might make stuff out of the bones or something, but um, you also cook it and eat it. 
Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and and the human being being just another animal. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't think I, I don't think Ed Gein was a particularly complicated individual. No, he's a, a um, bit of a thicko. I think we uh, determined when we when we when we yeah. talked about him last. Um, I think he was a very simple farm boy, um, and stuff he'd witnessed going on on the farm or when the hunting party came back. I think that's all he did. Mm. This character we're talking about today, um, he, um, oh God. Um, I'm even going to have to come up, come up with some bad metal lyrics of my own now. <laughs> His obsession was possession. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he wanted to own people. Um, and if they if they pissed him off, if they really fucking annoyed him and got away from him by dying, um, then he still wanted to own them, which he was going to do by eating them. Yeah. So literally, kind of ingesting their flesh. Yes. Kind of making them part of him. I suppose that's, that's right, the yeah. ultimate form of, of ownership, isn't it? Well, and I, I'm willing to speculate that it suited him as a uh, a method of revenge as well. You know, yeah. I, you um, you made me do it. You you thought you could get away from me just by dying. Well, yeah. you can't. Yeah, and, uh, and I suppose it, it's like a, in, it, 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 it's like like an added layer of humiliation, isn't it? Not only not not only have I killed you, not not only am I using your dead body for sexual gratification, but I'm also gonna like I'm I'm gonna defile you by actually stripping away your flesh and consuming it. Well, yeah, and reaffirming to myself that you should know your place of being literally further down the food chain than I am. Oh, that's a good yeah, yeah. So he he was the apex predator and they were yes. the prey. Yeah. Yeah, good point, Doc. Um, Doc, give, give us the next eight lines, if you would, my good man. Erotic sensations tingle my spine, a dead body lying next to mine. Smooth blue black lips, I start salivating as we kiss. Mine forever, this sweet death. I cannot forget your soft breaths, panting excitedly with my hands around your neck. Mm. Mm-hmm. It is provocative stuff, in it, Doc? Are these the, is this, are these the sexiest lyrics? Like, <laughs> I mean, but... Sexy, not in terms of stuff that I find personally. Erotic. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Doc. Um, yeah. But are these the closest lyrics that Slayer have ever written to actually invoking sexual, evoking sexual intercourse? I think well, they t- are. T- Tom has definitely announced this on stage as you know. The, the, you know this the, the, this next track is our only love song. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think that I think. I think you. I think there's definitely like a like an inversion of the erotic song going on here. Um, you know, like a bit of fucking Barry White or Isaac Hayes. You know, get get the get the knickers moist. Um, yeah. Well, the, you know, the, 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 they're just playing games here, aren't they? But they're, they're kind of using superficially kind of sexy language to talk about something utterly fucking grimy and grim. Um, it's very Catholic, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good point, isn't it? Yeah. And penned by Tom, so that should come as yeah. no surprise. Um, the the, the eroticisation of, um, of of 
torture and execution. Mm. Um, this verse in particular, you know, was responsible for the end of a relationship of mine. Um, really? It's true. Yeah, I'd, I'd, been, I'd been with this girl for two years. Um, my first, like, proper girlfriend. I was probably about 19 um, when she dumped me. And uh, she cited this. She, she cited me singing along to this verse as one of the reasons that she had to leave me because it, because it made her scared. Oh, no. Oh, Slayer, what have you done? <laughs> um. <laughs> Somebody who'd known you for two hours, yeah. I can imagine getting freaked. But, yeah. Um, I mean, if that was if that was the only thing you'd done in two years that made her scared. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that, that that was the primary reason. It's just one of the one of the litany of crimes that she listed against me, basically. Yeah. Um, I mean, if if your habit of climbing out through the valet's window and crouching naked on the apex of the roof of your house. I know, um, yeah. T- t- she didn't like it when I ejaculated into her mum's tea, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, great lyrics here, Doc, again. It's, it, it, you know, it's evocative, it's playful. I mean, darkly playful, of course. Um, yeah, and I think you're right. This is the fir- I think this is the first time Slayer have gone anywhere near sex, isn't it, really? Well... Since the first album. Oh, really? Remind me, Doc. Well, we've... It's been a long time ago, but I seem... Well, I, I do remember all the way through that first album, I was never far away from using the phrase homosexual panic. <laughs> That's right, like, gay panic. <laughs> the Doc and his weekly obsession with gay panic. Yeah, I remember. Um, yeah. Uh, there's, um, there's a great line coming up in a minute, mm. but I just need to finish with this verse first. Yeah. One of the reasons that serial killers have this enduring celebrity and one of the reasons that that they're so compulsive in popular culture as the prodigy would say they're the voodoo people who do what you don't dare to people yeah good of someone like Jeffrey Dahmer or any of these people. And this goes for like homicidal dictators and you know, third world despots and anything mm. like this. You can't believe that something that's nominally a human being and is made of the same molecules and cells as you could do something, could do stuff like this. Um, and there's, in the apprehension of Jeffrey Dahmer, there's another great anecdote that I'm pretty sure I remember that um, after finding one of his victims naked and trepanned um, in the street outside his house, a policeman helped him take the lad back inside his apartment. Mm-hmm. 
um, and apparently completely swallowed Jeffrey's explanation that um, uh, the lad had drunk too much and they'd had an argument. Sure. Not, notwithstanding the fact that he was in irons and had a hole board in his skull. Yeah. And that, and that ties into your, your comment earlier about we kind, of, we, we kind of see what we want to see. And and he, yeah. he, he, you know, and even even the police can do that because they, you know, just you know, just despite what Quentin Tarantino would have us believe, they are just human beings, aren't they? Yeah, and I mean, you you can't get away. There's you can't get away from an element of institutional homophobia in this. As, mm. as, as, I mean, I think it's a little too easy to imagine the policeman inwardly rolling his eyes and going fucking faggots. Yeah, yeah, I just just a bunch of fucking queers acting queer, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but okay. apparently, after he'd helped Jeffrey take the lad back inside his apartment, Jeffrey realised he'd left his bedroom door open, um, and the policeman um, could easily have got a very clear view of the decomposing body that was in Jeffrey's bed at the time. Mm-hmm. It, um, it, it brings up the question of, of odour, doesn't it? You know, if you've got um, like body parts scattered around your apartment. What the fuck do you do about the smell, Doc? The only thing I can the only thing I can come up with is that the Midwest can get really fucking cold. Ah, uh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's parts of those places that are consistently around one or two degrees for a, a, a lot of the. That's the only thing I can come up with. Yeah, yeah, because I, you know, I, I, you know, I've left a pack of ham in the fridge for a week too long, and my Christ, that hums, you know. Yes. So um, God, God alone knows what, what 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 a full human corpse smells like after a couple of weeks. I mean, I, I don't think you've been getting away with it in Southern Florida or Southern California or somewhere yeah, like that. Or Texas. Um, well, the climate of Texas, you know, um, parts of Texas, parts of Texas have four seasons and can get cool. Oh yeah. Um, but if you consider the the, the arid deserty bits. Mm-hmm. Um, you go places like that in the world, and I'm not saying you could do it reliably, but it might just mummify a cadaver. Oh yeah, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. It might just bake it dry. Let's uh, let's close the lyrics out. Shades are drawn, no one out can see. What I've done, what's become of me. Here I stand, above all that's been true. How I love, how I love to kill you. You said, that, um, you, 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 you said there was a line coming up that you wanted to highlight, Doc, what we're looking at. Well, shades are drawn, superficially, is obviously meant to closing, closing the curtains so that no yeah. one can. Um, I think it can also refer to Pulling, pulling the ghost or pulling the spirit out of a living being. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, drawn as in drawing something out. Yeah. Um, and a, and a shade is that, that is a word that's used to uh, refer to like um, spirit, isn't it? Um, I think it's specifically the like wretched, barely there um, spirit of a, 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 a very old ghost. Sure. Um, I always imagine it. I always imagine a shade being like a ghostly version of a zombie. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to highlight that. Um, a, a, a line that a line that I want to ask you about, Doc, is above all that's been true. What does that mean? Here I stand above all 
that being true? What, what, there's a meaning there, Doc, and I can't, I can't quite grasp it. Um, all that's been true is a lyrical device you'll hear. So referring back to the previous verse, all that's been true is a lyrical device you'll often hear in soppy love songs, meaning ah. everything there ever was between us. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so again, that's the, the, again, that's Tom being a bit playful, isn't it? Kind of using the love song mechanics to sing this kind of song of pure horror. Yeah, and I mean, it's... Um, because I haven't mentioned radical feminism for a little while either, um, there are plenty of radical feminist texts um, that will sort of explicitly refer to that emotion you're feeling um, that you think is love. Um, that's something that's been done to you. That, that that's, um, that's nothing but coercive control and domination, but with flowers attached to it. Sure, yeah. Mm. It's, it's those horrible men, isn't it? Those horrible men being horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, except, of course, we're in the context of exclusively male homosexuality here. So, sure. mm-hmm. um, and uh, all that's been true. There could be another meaning here. Um, true is one half of a phrase you'll hear that you know, true to life. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, what we're describing here is a true crime. Mm-hmm. Stories like this are called true to life, aren't they? Because they really happened. And I chuck in the phrase true love as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe in um, his mind, you know, it, it, you know, in his mind, his victim would, would, would be feeling nothing but true love for him. Well, and there's the peculiar thing. Um, I don't think there's any, con- there's, there's, there's any idea that Jeffrey Dahmer was ever dishonest to anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't think he ever lied to anyone. No, certainly. And in my reading, kind of in preparation for this um, episode, he, he, it, it seems he would just go up to men and, uh, and proposition them, basically, you know, come back to mine, I'll give you, I'll give you some liquor, and, and, we'll, and we'll get on down to some kinky fun. Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And um, for a guy who looked the way that he did, he seemed to have a surprisingly high hit rate. He got caught because he propositioned three men at the same time, like a group of three men. Mm-hmm. Two, two of them rejected him. But the third one um, said, all right, I'll come back to your apartment and we'll, and we'll, and we'll get up to some, to some shenanigans. Um, this individual went into the apartment. Uh, Dharma tried to handcuff him. Um, he was holding a knife. The man was, I think he was called Elliot, Elliot something. Um, he was holding a knife. He was Obviously, this guy was scared. So he kind of appeased Dharma and, and agreed to do certain things um, and kind of gained Dharma's trust. Dharma put the knife above his heart and told him that he wanted to eat his, he was going to, he was going to kill him and eat his heart. Um, somehow this guy managed to convince Dharma not to do it there and then. He said, he said, that sounds like fun. That sounds like something I'd be into. Uh, but, but let's go into the living room and drink a beer and chill out for a bit first, and then we can do it. And then Dharma lost concentration, and this guy smacked him in the face, basically, and, and, and legged it out of his apartment and found some coppers on the street. Um, and, that, and that's how he got caught. Um, he, he just kind of, he fucked up, really. Maybe he just got complacent. He killed 17 men. Um, over the course of about what thirteen years or something, um, something like that. yeah, yeah, 
Um, so, so maybe, maybe, maybe even with serial killers, maybe complacency kicks in. You know. Well, when you've got away from it, for, when you've got away with it for so long, and when you've actually had a couple of pieces of convincing evidence that, um, what can you say? The coppers are not going to intervene in what's clearly something between a couple of queers. Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially back then, I think it'd be different yeah. now. But you know, um, but, but, but I, th I think, like you say, you know, I, you know, unfortunately, I think back then, kind of racism and homophobia, um, as well as um, what's the word, man? Not misanthropy. When people hate women, what's the word, doc? Misogyny. Yeah, racism, homophobia, and misogyny. Unfortunately, we're kind of baked into the police force, aren't they? Yeah, and I mean, there's there's even like this peculiar um, iteration um, or instance of cultural sensitivity as well. Mm. And I'm not convinced. I, I don't think this is necessarily an excuse or not an excuse. But if you're a heterosexual man. Um, you always have the idea in the back of your head that homosexuals get up to stuff that you might not necessarily like if you mm. saw it. Um, and it's their business, why not let them get on with it? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's their life, not yours, and it's their culture, not yours. As long as they do it behind closed doors, right, Doc? Well, it is, not even that, but mm. if, if you're a bit of a wet liberal like I am, you always get the idea that... Um, we talk about this in the context of Star Trek a lot, obviously. Um, when you encounter other cultures, you may witness or learn about practices um, that you wouldn't necessarily want to do in your own life. Mm -hmm. And the gay world was a very, very separate world. As, as recently as this, the gay world was a completely separate world. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think it's... I think it still is, isn't it, Doc? I mean, I, I know as liberal as people like to think they are, they don't actually want to know the fucking specifics, do they? Um, no, and I mean, there's. I think it's sort of pretty well understood that there are. The, I, I've um, I've heard them called tea drinkers, and I've heard them. I've heard them called cuddly queers. Mm. Um, you know, the ones that. The ones that no one uh, minds having in their office because they know about clothes and shoes. <laughs> yeah, and they'll tidy up, won't they? They'll tidy up. Yeah. 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 Um, as being societally thought of very, very differently to, um, frankly, the ones who smell of spunk enamel nitrate. And, mm. um, <laughs> Sometimes your turn of phrase that really does tickle me. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But such an educated man. Absolute filth. Absolute filth comes out of your mouth from time to time. So. Yeah. It's taken years of work to cultivate this man. I can really imagine how this kind of thing would come about as a, I was going to say misguided, but is it misguided? I mean, mm. isn't it actually well-intentioned and well-meant and well-done um, to try to be sensitive to other people's cultures? Sure. It's a good point. Yeah. Um, and you know, at what point does, um, at what point does interfering with somebody else's culture um, intersect with your basic responsible responsibility as a human being to other human beings? Mm. Mm. Um, and we go turning a blind eye to a lot of grim stuff that goes on in the world. 
It's true. Doc, um, I could talk about this all night long. It's absolutely fascinating. But we're already kind of clocking in at about an hour and a half, and we've still got the last part of the show to do. Anything crucial you want to get off your chest? There's no reference to this in the song, and I'm surprised. Um, Jeffrey Dahmer's um, Sacrifice Altar. Oh, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think I've ever read... Um, how far he'd got in completing this, but he certainly had some working drawings for a sacrifice altar that he planned to build in his little apartment in um, in, in, in apartment number 213. Um, and uh, he either did or was planning to decorate it with severed and preserved heads. Here's um, the skinny doc from uh, Wikipedia. When okay. asked... When asked as to why he had preserved a total of seven skulls and the entire skeletons of two victims, Dharma stated that he had been in the process of constructing a private altar of victim skulls, which he had intended to display on the black table located in his living room, and upon which he had photographed the bodies of many of his victims. This, this display of skulls was to be adorned at each side with the complete skeletons of Miller and Lacey. The four severed heads found in his kitchen were to, were to be removed of all flesh and used in this altar, as was the skull of at least one future victim. Insects, incense sticks were to be placed at each end of the black table, above which Dharma intended to place a large blue lamp with extending blue globe lights. The entire construction was to be placed before a window covered with a black opaque shower curtain, in front of which Dharma intended to sit in a black leather chair. When asked... In interview, whom the altar was dedicated to, Dharma replied, myself, it was a place where I could feel at home. There we go, Doc. Yeah, I so, mean, you know, the, the, there's kinks and then there's kinks, aren't there, Doc? Jesus fucking Christ. I don't know. I, I'm going to extend a lot of admiration to Slayer mm. um, for not mentioning this. Because, I mean, mm. if, if there's something metal about this whole story, Mm. It's the construction of a fucking sacrifice altar. But the problem is, I think there's a reason they didn't do it, Doc, and that's because they've already got a track called Altar of Sacrifice back on, uh, <laughs> back on Rain in Blood. <laughs> they're, they're, they're crippled by their own back catalogue. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, I was just reading, just listening to you talking when you were reading that that thing about a, a blue lamp with extending blue globe. I mm. think you can buy one of those on Etsy nowadays. Well, it sounds disco as fuck to me. I don't know about you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe, but maybe you just wanted to get on down to a bit of uh, Donna Summers. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, should we uh, anything else, Doc, or should we press on with the last part of the show? It's an astonishing story. It's a mm. grim but astonishing story. Um, really is. And as befits it, it has a grim but astonishing song to go with it. You're right about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like a, 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 a deeply disturbing, terrifying real-life tale with a deeply disturbing, terrifying song attached. I agree, Doc. Um, I've got... I want to finish off on an old note of optimism. 
Um, and when I believe I've been guilty of making mistakes or being judgmental, um, I don't like internet culture and I don't like cell phone culture and I don't like social media very much. Um, apart from that, you're kind of a happy-go-lucky guy, aren't you, Doc? Is it me? Um, I was thinking about this when I was preparing for this episode. Mm. Is it me, or since the age of constant communication? Mm. I think I'm right about this. There hasn't been one major serial killer. Um, when was um, Shipton? I want to say that was almost exactly the same time as Fred West, because Viz had an occasional column called Harold and Fred, They'll Make You Dead. Ah, oh, yeah. Not, not Shipton, was it? Uh, Shipman, wasn't it? Harold Shipman. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so that predates it. But you're right, Doc. I, there hasn't been, like, a bona fide serial killer for the best part of two decades, has there? I don't think so. Um, yeah, you're right. Um, I mean... Uh, I'm willing to tolerate a lot of annoyance and a lot of stuff in the world I don't like if it actually makes people safer. Mm. That's, a, that's a fascinating, Doc. Yeah. I suppose you, what, you, what you're implying there is the fact that everybody's got a fucking phone in their pocket makes it much more harder to like, kidnap and murder people. You'd have to... I mean, this would take numerous psychology PhDs or mm. social psychology PhDs to figure this out. Um, maybe it is actually harder to snatch someone off the streets and have no one notice nowadays. Or maybe um, it's an outlet for those impulses. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never completely bought the pornography reduces rape mm. argument. I mm. never dismissed it, but I've never completely bought it either. But, mm. I mean, uh, who knows if there is a link between people who are cut off from society and very lonely and people who become serial killers. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is a means by which people can just stay safer and stay more. Um, I don't know. I don't even, I, I don't even believe I've heard anyone relate this hypothesis, at least not to me before. Um, time will tell. Yeah. In, really, really interesting doc. Let's move on. Welcome to part four of the show. Here we're just going to give you our final thoughts and summations. Um, before that, though, some details, writing credits, music by Mr. Jeff Hanneman, uh, the, the beloved Mr. Jeff Hanneman. Oh, how we miss you, sir. Uh, lyrics by Tom Araya. When it's serial killer time, Doc, what have we learned? Tom's writing the fucking lyrics. Um, according to Setlist, this was played a mere, meagre 94 times putting it in 64th position. I'm, I am genuinely fucking baffled by this. I, I yeah. don't possibly explain this. Um, could it just be expectations? I mean, people at Slayer shows want the quickies. Could that be it? I, I, I can't believe there's a Slayer fan out there that doesn't dig the fuck out of this track. And they play, they play South of Heaven pretty much every time. They play Seasons pretty much every time. But maybe, so maybe that's the problem. Maybe they don't want three kind of brooding, mm. slow pieces. Yeah, maybe that's the problem. Um, I, I mean, I was going to say, could Slayer be worried about putting ideas into people's? But it, mm. no, Slayer, I wouldn't have thought so. I wouldn't have thought so. I think that's the first daft thing you've ever said on this show. 
<laughs> Congratulations, so it's taken till episode 72. Um, first play, uh, something, something called the Coal Ballroom uh, in Davenport, IA. Doc, I always have to ask you, IA, is that Iowa or Indi- Indiana? Uh, I would say Idaho. Idaho, all right, we'll, we'll uh, correct that. Um, Indiana, I want to say, is IN. Yeah. We'll chat time it, Doc. Don't worry. We'll chat time it. Last play, um, Gotham, New West, Tuscan, Arizona. I forgot to put the dates. Fuck it. People can look. Look at it yourselves, guys. Go do some fucking work. Um, according to Loudwire, uh, they put this in 46th position. Here's what they said. Uh, this is what purgatory must sound like. The first two minutes of 213 put the listener in a state of limbo with doom-laden melodies over muddy, sustained chords and plunging fills as Hanneman works in his signature, sinuous lead. Well, hear that, Doc? Signature, signature lead work by Jeff Hanneman. This guy's dissing your ear, Doc, for the uh, name that solo game. Uh, signature, mm. sinuous lead work while the intensity builds and exhales. The tension is released, not in the usual violent explosion of dive bomb solos and frantic leads, but with a plodding mid-tempo groove that never really peaks, giving two on three a nervous edge. This guy, this Joe DeVito motherfucker, he just can't, he can't help putting those little jabs in, can he? You know, plodding, never really peaks. Get the fuck out of here, mate. I don't like this guy, though. Um, there's, there's there's another technique he's doing here, and it's it's a version of damning with faint praise. Yeah, and it is is damning with objectivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he, he's giving no actual genuine opinion, is he? No, he's he's just standing back and providing a very uh, teleological commentary. Yeah, it is what, what it is, happened. mate. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah, I don't like this guy, Doc. He's making me cross each, each week. When, each week when we read it out. <laughs> um, final thoughts, Doc. Let's wrap this bad boy up. I'm always edgy um, when Slayer do songs about really edgy subjects. <clears throat> um, this song makes me feel really uncomfortable, which I suppose is the point now, isn't it? Yeah, I'd have thought so. There's nothing. There's nothing Schadenfreude-ish about this. Yeah. Um, even less than SS3 or even less than Angel of Death. Mm. Um, you, I can't take any pleasure from it. Mm. Um, it leaves it leaves me a, a disturbed as an understatement. It leaves me feeling like I've witnessed something that I would prefer to have not to have witnessed. And that, by the way, is a good thing. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that is um, the job done, I would say, you know, yeah. from Slayer's perspective. And I, sh- I share your sentiment there, Doc. The, you know, the, I, think, I think of all Slayer songs, this is the one that gets under my skin the most and makes me feel genuinely uncomfortable and disturbed. Um, I think I think the the, like the 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 choice of lyrics coupled with like the the the, the proper spooky scary nature of the music is absolute. It's it's just a perfect coupling. Um, I can't I can't I can't think of many scarier tracks than this doc. And I, and I'm you know I include the whole of the history of metal 
and like you, you like you kind of dark fucking trancey techno shit as well. And some of that can get scary as fuck. There's um, there's a couple of I'll say there's a couple of tracks by Throbbing Gristle and a couple mm. of tracks by Big Black. Mm. Um, and even I'm, I'm even kind of inured to those by time now. Yeah. Uh, but there are a couple of those where the first few times I heard them, it's like you've made me think about something I didn't want to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll never forgive Big Black for introducing me to the concept of the Colombian necktie. <laughs> Fuck oh, sake. yes. Oh, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus wept. Go, go, um, go and do a Google search, guys, if you're not sure what it is. But don't do it at work. Yeah, it is not safe for work. So, yeah, I've just silenced the doc. It's very rare that the, the doc gets troubled to such a degree. Um, yeah, I, I was actually just thinking about the song about um, getting sleeping sickness at, at, at age 15 um, and waking up the following morning and you're 55. Wow, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Wow, that's dark that shit, bothered, man. That one bothered me as well. Yeah, um, that's dark shit. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, job done. There yeah. it is. Yeah, I, it, I think it's absolutely sensational, Doc. Come on, then. Let's pronounce. What, what, I've already got my scores on the doors. What are you going to give it? Um, loss of one, just because I can't enjoy it. Mm. Now, I know I already said job done. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is probably me being a bit of a puss, but I can't fully enjoy the song because it's so horrible. So it's nine out of ten. Nine out of ten for the doc. I mean, there's no shame in a nine, is the doc? Let's be honest. Um, a nine, you know, ninety percent. Brilliant. Is this the first? Is this the first song on this project that I've reviewed where I've actually taken a point off because it's too good at what it does? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's just too too damn effective. Yes. Yeah. Really interesting doc. I mean, inevitably, it's a straight ten for me. Always, always has been. Always will be. Always was going to be. It's 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 a perfect score. Yet again, I'm not going to re- I'm not going to reveal how many tens I've given on this album, Doc. That'll come in the album overview, but it, 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 it's faring pretty well, let's be honest. Um, any final thoughts, Doc? Or should we wrap it up? Um, what's the next serial, serial Killer song and who is it about? No, I, I can't remember because it's, from this album onwards, I am less familiar with like individual tracks um, and track titles. I've definitely, I've definitely heard it all. You know, and, and, and certainly the last three albums of theirs, which was Christ Delusion, World Painting Blood and Repentless, I'm pretty familiar with. But we but we have got two albums coming up. I mean, particularly God Saves, not God, 
No, God saves us all. God hates us all. Um, the, the, the opposite. The, that was the opposite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, God hates us all. You know, that, that is an album I haven't listened to in 20 years. So now, I, I don't know. Don't know, Doc, until we get there. Fine. Yeah, um, there we go. I'm all done. Thank you very much. Well, that about does it for this episode then, guys. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at Slytanic at gmail.com join us next time when we'll be talking about the 10th and final track from divine intervention which is called mind control gonna be there doc of course i am see you then brother see you later bye bye <laughs>